I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We know the society that we're in. They're going to know because of the book that we've written. Do you know what I mean? What I will always remind my children is that always strive for excellence. Like your best foot forward, give your best effort. And that's what's important. Hi, my name is Raphael Sofaluk founder and CEO of the UK Black Business Show and UK Black Business Week. Hi, I'm Opiomi Sofaluk, co-author of Twice As Hard and a diversity and inclusion lead at one of the world's largest tech companies. This is Twice As Hard, the podcast, the essential guide where we share tips to tool you up to succeed in the world of work and business. Today's affirmation is... Align your personality with your purpose and nobody can touch you. Oprah. I love that. I love when it, nobody can touch you. Like, I know, it's deep, isn't it? Just move. Like you can't touch. Yeah, I love that. Brilliant. And you can get in touch with us, of course, on our social media handles. So at twice as hard book, at Raphael Sofaluk and at opiome.sofaluk. So, you know, we're on the topic of leadership. Who would you say is a great example of a leader or leadership in your life? In terms of leaders, I feel like I take leadership styles off a number of, especially the black entrepreneurs that I see in the space. Mm. Someone who I've admired um, when I was young was people like Levi Roots, which are more of role models. Um, But in terms of leadership styles, I think I'm really learning from my peers um, and how they're kind of operating, how they're running their businesses. What about yourself? You know, I think it's interesting because when I think about leadership, actually, parents play a massive role. I feel like in many ways, they are almost like the first kind of leaders that you see in your life because they guide you as you grow and they play a key role in in, in how you're socialised in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both my leaders have shown me, both my parents, sorry, have shown me a lot um, about leadership. Well, they've shown me qualities that I see to be important in leadership. And I say, you know, when I think about my mum being able to be patient, to be assertive, um, organised, Um, And then when I think about my dad, you know, someone who is, he's quick to hear and slow to speak. Um, He's someone that is really open to feedback and never afraid to kind of admit, oh, actually, maybe I could have taken this approach. And so I've learned a lot from that. Um, And then actually growing up in church, I think there are so many kind of spiritual leaders that have been around me. It's funny, I don't have like one leader but loads of different people. What mm. qualities do you think leaders should cultivate in themselves and others? What I've found is there are a lot of leaders or people who lead that don't have that official title. Yeah. And so I think it's when you're able to influence in a positive way. I think leadership is about being open to correction and knowing that you're not always going to get it right. I think leadership is about being able to elevate others. 
and finding ways, you know, that because of what you're doing, others are inspired because that's what leadership is about. Like you are moving people to essentially want to do more, be more, you know, experience more just by the way that you live. And I think it requires you to be, you know, thoughtful and intentional. I don't know, what would you say? Yeah, well, I mean, it says in that leadership is to lead. So you have to be bringing people with you. Mm. And it's like leadership, I guess, like a ship. So <laughs> you're leading a ship, you know, you're directing the course of that ship. You're, yeah. you're bringing on the passengers. So you're in charge of the journey. It's down to you to make sure that everyone is okay. In terms of yourself, do you think of yourself as a leader? You know what? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. And I would say yes, not because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a leader. But just because I feel like there are many experiences that I have had that I can use my experiences to kind of teach others. I can use my experience to mentor others, which I do. And I can use my experiences to lead others. Like, even if we were just talking purely on what we just discussed around being a parent and how we are trying to lead our children to be kind of well-rounded people. But I, I own that title. What about you? Yeah, well, I would hope so. Um, <laughs> With all I the have, work you do. I have a team, so I would hope to see myself as a leader. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, of course, really kind of aware as well about, you know, even how I act at work. I remember one day I was actually a bit grumpy at work. And I felt like the mood in the whole office was down. Mm. And that made me reflect and be like, I still have a job to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I still have to keep high spirits up regardless of how I feel, etc. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think I'm a leader. I hope so. You are a leader. It's Thank not you. about think for you. You're 100% a leader. So today we want to chat about growing and shaping your leadership style. Yeah, you know, while not everyone will find themselves in traditional leadership positions, it is really kind of important actually to have the quality and to cultivate the quality of leadership. And today we will be talking to a phenomenal leader actually, and we'll be chatting to the founder and CEO of Treasure Tress, Jamelia Donaldson. So who is Jamelia Donaldson? Jamelia Donaldson is the founder and CEO of Treasure Tress, a monthly product subscription service for girls and women with kinky curly hair and also the co-creator of the teen experience a monthly workshop series which offers young black women to attend a series of personal development workshops network with other like-minded individuals and be inspired by mature and successful women workshops to date have included creating vision boards and discussions about self-care Since launching in 2015, with a huge online community and an active and thriving offline presence, Treasure Tress has proven that natural hair and black sisterhood can truly go hand in hand. I'm really, really excited to be speaking with you, Jamelia. We both are. Um, Been following your work for actually a long time now. OPM, you made me aware of your business And I just love how you've grown it over the years from the idea to, you know, where it is now. It's just incredible. I think with Jam, you know, you found a solution to like a problem that so many black women were facing. And that's why 
I feel like the impact continues to grow. Obviously, we're going to get into it, but yeah, I just love the way you've gone about bringing something that's unique and needed to our community. It's a lot. Great bio. It is a great bio. <laughs> it is a great bio. And actually, I'll be interested, you know, to hear from you, Jam, when you hear your bio. And to be fair, this is like a shrunk, cut down version. Like, how do you feel? What kind of resonates, you know, in your mind as, as it's read out? Well, I want to start by saying thank you for having me both. Like, you guys are absolute goals, both individually and as a couple. So thank you for having me and well done on your achievement so far. Um, when I hear my bio, the first thing that comes to mind for me is just responsibility. Like, while I do think that it's like great to have like won awards and to be like launching new projects and stuff, the main thing that comes to mind for me is like, okay, I've been given an opportunity, so therefore I have a responsibility to serve. So, yeah, everything that you said, I was like, it was almost like a to-do list that was going off in my head. Like, okay, I have to make sure that I do this next to keep this going and to make sure that it continues to grow. So yeah, it's just a feeling of gratitude, responsibility, and I think ever-expanding aspirations, like always just wanting to improve and just, just see how big we can continue to grow. I don't, you know, when you say you, you use the word given an opportunity, I don't even feel like, I feel like you created an opportunity. Like you saw and you was like, I'm going to do. And a lot of people see and they think, but they don't do. And I think when I think about you, I think about Dua. I think doing's a big part of it. But what I've learned is that like the consistency is the part that is the most important. Because I always say like launching is so fun. Like to launch a new product, to launch a new business, to launch a new service is really, really fun. But the part that isn't so fun is like continually showing up every single day. Like no matter how you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, like just showing up and just getting it done is always the most important part. Now, when I heard you speaking, it's just, you know, when you were saying that it was almost like a to-do list when I was reading out your bio. Yeah. And for me, you know, that sounds like leadership. What we're going to be talking about in, in this session anyway, you know, being a leader um, and you're a great example of a leader. Yeah. But to, to, we're going to tone it down a bit. Yeah, we um, are. We're going to have a few icebreakers just to get into it. So really quick fire questions. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm scared. To, to, to start, to start We're you about on. to expose you, girl. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing really big. No, nothing, nothing too deep. Nothing <laughs> no, too it's lighthearted. So out of these two places, Maldives or Mexico? Oh my gosh, those are like the two places I want to go next. That's a tough one. I'm going to say Maldives. And we didn't get to have a honeymoon yet, so Maldives. <laughs> is, that, is that where you want to go? Yeah. Okay. Thai food or Jamaican food? Jamaican food. Yeah, yeah. I knew that would be easy. <laughs> Jam, can you cook? I've not cooked meat since we were in uni. Like, I've not cooked chicken since like second year of uni. I really want to get good at aki no salt fish. So you literally make oh. akin saltfish, but without saltfish. I can't do that very well yet, but that is a dish that I will perfect in the year. Practice makes perfect. There we go. Books or audiobooks? Do you know what? As of late, audiobooks. Just because when I was going places, when the world was open, that was my opportunity to read. Whereas because I'm at home all the time or like walking to the office and back, I don't have as much time to read. So now I just um, listen to audiobooks and podcasts. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna change it slightly. So braids or a twist out? Do you know what braids? I have been wearing braids back to back for so many months. Yeah. Just because it's so 
easy. Like I love twist outs in the summer, sunshine. Mm. My hair dries quickly. In this weather, my hair does not dry quickly. I'm not really going anywhere. So braids for convenience. Yeah. There I say it. Get up I, like, and go. I like braids. You do like braids, like braids, don't you? Yeah. I bet you wish you could get some. Banter, <laughs> <laughs> banter. That's nice. <laughs> what is your favourite self-care routine? Uh, washing my hair. <laughs> But washing my hair for me is like, yes, tonight I've already decided that is what's happening. I'm going to wash my hair, light a candle, clean the bathroom before I start so that it's nice and luxurious. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually a moment for me and it's just time that I take for myself and I'm detangling my hair. I'm like reflecting on life. Oh my God. Lovely. I love that you love it because I just, one day I'll get to that place because <laughs> it's, it's just a chore right now for me. It's just, but, but to be fair, you have two little humans that yeah, are running around. Absolutely. I don't have that. So I do have the luxury. I would love for you, Jam, to tell us a bit about, you know, the work you do. Hmm. I would describe the work that we do and I do to be very purpose-led I would say a lot of it is directed by like how do we want people to feel what do we want them to take away what do we want them to learn and we get the ideas and the inspiration from like things that we actually want in our lives for ourselves so obviously I'm obsessed with beauty and hair care but outside of that I'm obsessed with like community and like bringing women together and being around women myself so yeah, a lot of the work is, that's like the inspiration and like the guiding light for us in terms of what we do, what we create and how we execute. And fortunately, when we had our pop-up shop experience, that again was a reminder of how important the spaces that we create are. So we had one workshop called For Black Girls Who Can't Get Their Life Together. And it was led by two black female therapists. And like the conversation in the room, the vibe in the room and the feedback afterwards was just a constant reminder of this is really important work it means a lot to people yeah and it shouldn't be taken for granted as you were speaking it kind of reminded me of course you're going to talk about what treasure dress is but it reminded me of like a barbershop you provide that barbershop experience in many ways without even having a barbershop so when you think about hair and the black community, hair in the black community is a space where people come together. And in that space, it's a safe space where people share, people talk, people give each other advice. And I just love how when you were talking about, you know, the products and how it's so important when people receive it, but also the spaces you create for people to have truly kind of open conversations. So I think it would just be great if you could share a bit more about Treasure Trust and like everything that you do around that. So Treasure Tress is a monthly product discovery box for women with naturally curly hair. So every month our recipients pay £25 and they receive a new box of products. It was started purely out of my own frustration. So while I was in university, I decided to transition. Well, I had never relaxed my hair, but I had always straightened my hair. So my hair was heat damaged. And when I was in university, I made the decision to stop straightening my hair and just embrace my natural texture and I can distinctly remember going to the hairdressers, like, I want to say the year before, and she was washing my hair and she was like, oh, you've got a lovely hair texture. Why don't you just leave your hair how it is? And I looked at her like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, you want me to leave here without blow drying and straightening my hair? Like, absolutely not. But that kind of like sparked an idea in my head. So I went home and I started like looking on YouTube and finding all of these women globally that had really beautiful, thick, long, full natural hair. And I thought, oh, wow, maybe maybe you can still look beautiful 
while wearing your natural hair. Like maybe I don't have to have straight hair in order to look and feel beautiful. By the time I was in second year of uni, I was ordering products from the US and I was paying like £80 every month to ship products over on Amazon. So by the time you paid for the products, paid for shipping, paid for customs, it was easily £80. And I was doing it really frequently. While I was in university, I'd done some of my placement year in Beijing and some of it in New York. When I was in Beijing, I ran out of hair products and somehow I lost my brush. Still don't understand how I'd done this. But that meant that I had nothing to do my hair. So... Obviously, I'm in Beijing, not in America, so there was not much to choose from. I had to go across the street and buy, like, herbal essences, conditioner, and I had to buy a shoe brush to do my hair. And I had to do my hair with a shoe brush and herbal essences. And I thought, wow, like, this is an actual problem. Yeah, this is the ghetto. (laughs) This is the absolute (laughs) ghetto. Like, why am I using a shoe brush on my hair? Like, why can I not just find decent products that work well for for my hair type obviously Beijing is a reach but there should have been some kind of service that I could tap into that could provide me with the products that I need so that was like the first moment that I was like okay this is this is an issue like if you don't live in the UK or the US and you need access to hair products you're not going to get it so real then when I was in New York I just got used to like the luxury of black hair products being everywhere and every brand you could think of every product you could think of was so easily accessible and then that is when subscription boxes just launched. So there was every kind of subscription box from beauty to hair, to books, to dog food, to socks. Like there was every type of subscription box. And then I looked back at the UK market and I remember saying, if there isn't a subscription box for black women in the UK, by the time I get back, I'm going to launch it. So I launched the Instagram page and then was just updating it with images of women with natural hair and garnered a following of about 900 followers, I'd say, on Instagram. And at that point, I released a form and just got them to fill out some information. So I said, like, put the link in the bio, fill in some information about yourself. And the questions were just to help me gauge who my treasure trust customer would be. And a lot of it I thought was going to be young girls or mums wanting to buy products for their daughters to help them care for their hair. But a lot of it was older women signing up for themselves, which I found really interesting. But looking back, I shouldn't have been surprised because I was in the same predicament. Like I was looking for products for myself. So I used that data and effectively used that group as the group that I launched to with a very simple Instagram post saying like we've launched and that's how we got our first few subscribers. A lot of the work that we done early on was for that younger group of like mums and their daughters. That was especially important for me because my brother had just had my first niece and I remember saying that I want natural hair to be very normal to her and I want her experience with her hair to be really positive. Um, so we were able to do a lot of very cute events, which we called Mummy and Me Afternoon Teas in central London, which were lovely. And then as time progressed, I was attending a lot of natural hair events for myself. We were doing the Mini Me Afternoon Teas, but I realised there was this gap in between. Like if you weren't younger than nine years old and if you weren't older than, say, 20 and felt comfortable going out by yourself, there weren't really any events for you. And so I thought, hmm, what if we launch something called the Teen Experience, which satisfied that group in between, but also gave them a safe space, similar to the space that I had going to youth clubs when I was growing up, but specifically for black and mixed race girls and taught them things about life that they're not being taught in school. I know I didn't have a space as a teenager for like that focused on like being your natural self, 
but also like how are you developing at school how are you thinking about your career and so on and so forth yeah and I think um kind of exactly what you've mentioned so my barber when he cuts my hair he was even telling me he was just like I'm basically a therapist he was just like I speak to people all day they tell me everything about their lives and they ask me advice on things that I have no idea about and I feel like anyone who deals in within their hair and beauty they're not just kind of catering towards the hair and beauty but it's also you know help advising people just in life in general Mm -hmm. so obviously you know you're a founder now you're an entrepreneur but you know did you always see yourself founding a company well growing up I was always obsessed with hair so in primary school I used to get in trouble because I was always doing someone's hair when I should have been paying attention in breaks I used to do people's hair by the time we got to secondary school I used to get paid to do people's hair in breaks and after school and then instead of doing A levels I done the IB which is seven subjects instead of four and it's recognized internationally because again travel is really important for me so I thought whatever I study I want it to be recognized anywhere in the world and in the back of my mind I always secretly hoped to go to university in America so that's why I've done the IB. But doing the IB, I missed what I needed to study law by two points. And that for me, I thought was like the end of my life. Like I was absolutely devastated. You know how extra I am. So <laughs> One of the first questions I always get actually is like, did you study business? And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't have any interest in it when I was studying it. I literally chose business and international relations because there was the international piece. And again, it would allow me to travel. That was the only thing that was a priority for me. So yes and no. Yes, in that I've always like been quite entrepreneurial, I guess. Like I've always known how to create a service and sell a service. And then no, because I genuinely thought I was going to be a lawyer. It's so interesting, but I love that. And I think when you understand people's journeys, you you get to see that they didn't just wake up and end up in this position. There are so many kind of factors across the way that have influenced where they've ended up. And actually missing out on those two points could have been one of the best things that happened to you because obviously you met me at Aston and I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) So when you think about like the beauty industry and the hair industry and all the work that you're doing, what would you say is one of the things that really surprised you about working in this space? And like coupled with that, what's one of the things that really speaks to you about working in this space? The thing that surprised me was I mean every every industry is male dominated right but I always expected that if I work in the beauty industry I'm going to work with a lot of women like it's going to be dominated by females and that's actually really not the case like obviously it's yet another male dominated industry and once you like dive deep into the black beauty industry, you actually realise, wow, like black ownership is not very common in this industry. So it's eye-opening, a little bit disappointing, but also shows that there's room for growth. There's room for growth and there's room for change and there's a need for change. Mm. And on that, when you say room for growth, what, what are you hoping to kind of change when you think about this industry? I feel like the owners should look like the consumers come on like I feel like that's just like one of the most basic things I understand and I appreciate diversity I do think that teams should be diverse but I feel like considering black women spend so much money on beauty I would expect and I look forward to seeing a lot more black women in positions of power and owning brands and companies that serve women like themselves 
word. <laughs> you know, the, you yeah. know when someone says something, you just got to Agreed. leave it and let yeah. it marinate, and you're like, <laughs> no further comments. Yes, and agree. Um, um, so you often speak about you know some of the challenges and racism you faced in the sector. Have you seen any changes or improvements since starting the company? I mean, change is a funny word because it depends which moment in time you're talking about. If you're talking about June 2020, then I would say, oh my God, like so much change, progress is being made. It was temporary. (laughs) I know that I'm making a change. I know that the opportunities that I give women and I give men go to predominantly black men and women, which I think is important. Um, I know that the spaces that we create to educate also provide opportunities and provide insight. I would say the internet changed a lot of things, right? Because before owning a business seemed a lot more complex, but e-commerce has kind of leveled the playing field. So we're seeing a lot of black owned brands rise, but we still have the issue of which retailers are you going into and which retailers are actually speaking with black owned brands and are actually willing to take a risk on them and actually put their products on their shelves because that's equally important. I think producing the white paper as well just solidified everything that I already knew, especially when we look at supermarkets and retailers. So one of the key stats in the white paper was that in America, 59% of black women shop for their hair products in supermarkets, whereas 1% in the UK go to supermarkets for their hair products. And I thought, absolutely, that's the truth, because I have never, ever bought a hair product from a supermarket in all of my life. Why do we have to go to the supermarket on a Saturday and then go to the hair shop and then like go to a million different places, then go to the market to get some planting? Like, why haven't we been integrated into society the way that everyone else has or the way that we should consider in our contribution to society? How do you like hold brands to account? Like when you see them do things like that are reactive, because let's be honest, a lot of companies speaking out in 2020 or saying, oh, we're going to do more to support the black community. That was very reactive to what was going on. They did it, I feel, because of pressure. By asking very direct questions, like one of my favourite questions is, oh, is this still a priority for you? Because where's the investment? Where's like you're not doing anything that mirrors what you were trying to do last year. And last year, there was a lot of conversations. There was a lot of free advice given. But where were the actions? So for me, it's holding them accountable by literally following up and saying, hey, last year we spoke about this. What is the plan for next year? What's the plan for the following year? As you said, there were a lot of statements. There were a lot of pledges. One of my favourite hobbies is to go back in time and like follow up with people that made really bold statements. Like, hey, how is how are things going? And I think Shani Miz does a great job on LinkedIn of always holding people publicly accountable for things that they said they were going to do and they've not done yet. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On a lighter note, what, what's exciting about the sector? You yeah. know, who's doing great things? Who's making up the community in the hair and beauty industry right now? I mean, so many, so many people. I think we've seen the rise of great Black-owned British brands. Afrocentrics are killing it. And their consistency over 10 years is completely admirable. Ava Estelle, which was started in lockdown and does like mad figures on a monthly. And it also just goes to show that like, if no one's going to give you the opportunity, you've just got to go out and grab it for yourselves. And this is what I mean about like a lot of brands being direct to consumer rather than going the traditional route, because these brands have been able to achieve great things independently. But yeah, I think it's exciting because we're just creating things for ourselves. Like we're not waiting for permission. We're holding people accountable. Yeah. And the projects that are being produced are just insane. You know, when you first started Treasure Trust, you referred to yourself as a founder instead of like a CEO. What do you feel is the difference between the two? And when was that transition where you felt like, actually, I'm going to refer to myself as the CEO? What kind of shifted for you? Initially, I had CEO from the get-go. This is when it was just me in the company. And I went to a Future Girl Corp event by Sharmadine. And one of the girls on a panel was like, by the way, like, if you're the only person in your company, you should not be referring to yourself as a CEO. So I went home and I changed that thing to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just founder. <laughs> so it was founder for a long time while I, like built my team but I do feel like I'm deserving of the CEO title being that I have a team and I have a team who are really good like there's really talented women on my team who occupy positions like creative director director of brand partnerships and I feel like that allows me to then sit in the CEO seat and actually step back and not send every single email provide feedback on every single video take every photo ship out every box like there are actually women and people who are in positions of power to run those parts of the business my presence isn't required for the business to tick over day to day but my strategic thought is needed to help push the business further for me, that just kind of epitomises leadership for me. Mm. I know you've been focusing on leadership this year. You know, what does that look like in practicality? Like when you start a business, no one prepares you to be a leader, especially when you're a founder who's like just starting a business, just solving an issue and finding your first few clients and like energy and adrenaline is keeping you going. You don't think about what it actually requires to lead a team. So I think it's something that I'm still learning a lot about, something that I'm reading on, listening to audiobooks about, listening to podcasts about. A lot of it is about balance, which I think can be quite difficult because you need to be very connected to your team. You need to have good rapport. There needs to be trust. They need to feel safe. But equally, you have to apply pressure, set expectations and hold people accountable which is a very, like, those are two very different dynamics. But as a leader, you need to find a way to balance the two and you need to know when to step into one more and step back from the other or when to leverage another more. It also means, like, leaving people to do the things that you've asked them to do, which is something that I I can struggle with. Um, <laughs> so making clear your expectations and leaving people to get on with it. But I think the clear part is the most important thing for me because... Clarity is absolutely necessary for anything to function, including your team and including like the members on your team. 
And I think the I think the piece that's often missed with leadership, like as you said, Ops, it can sometimes either appear as though or the expectation of becoming a leader should be like, oh, yeah, it's me, as you said, like I'm a boss, whatever, all of that stuff. But in reality, a lot of it is you being of service to your team because it's your duty to bring out the best in them. Like, it's your duty to see what they're strong at and help them with that. It's your duty to see what they're struggling with and support them with that or provide them with the resources to help them overcome that hump or, like, that thing that they're struggling with, help them overcome that. So a lot of it actually is, like, serving people so that they can serve you, so that you all can serve your customers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess that goes back to to your point around team. Like, there's a respect for one another and a recognition that actually, in order to kind of push this to success, we all have parts to play. Um, and we all have greatness to pull out of each other. And on that, in the same way that you're able to kind of see things in people, where they can improve how would you kind of handle do you ever receive criticism or feedback or constructive feedback from your team and how do you handle that because I think often when we think about the work environment and we think about performance reviews it is usually the manager or the leader giving feedback to their teammates that's a great question I think 360 reviews is definitely something that we do at the end of the year. But in between, we have one-to-ones. So for the managers on my team, I have them weekly. For um, anyone that's not a manager on my team, we have them more like quarterly. And they just touch bases to say like, hey, how's it going? Anything that you're struggling with, anything that I can help with. And that anything I can help with question is usually the part where I receive feedback or the part that I would expect to receive feedback. So it could be like, yeah, I'm not too sure on what I should be doing here. For me, that's feedback because it tells me that I haven't been clear enough in explaining what this is, why it's important and what I need from you to do it. So that for me is, okay, instant feedback let me make a mental note and then can you hold me accountable as in every time we talk about this like make sure but also feel comfortable to like push back and ask more questions if I'm not being clear but I'm going to take it upon myself to make sure that I communicate a lot more clearly. So if you think about yourself today then how would you describe your leadership style now? I want to say laid back and I'm not saying laid back because I'm lazy or because like I'm very hands-off because that is something I struggle with. (laughs) but I say laid back because I like to gradually put people in situations where they have no choice but to grow so plant a seed provide you with some resources give you some encouragement and then sit back and watch you grow I see you as someone who can I feel like you can switch it on and off yeah you can be very friendly, but then you can get into boss. Yeah, she can. Like, you know, like I said, oh, jam means business today, boy. You're not playing. I can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yeah, just just to kind of finalize, just to bring it back to the book, uh, twice as hard. What what does that phrase mean to you? Do you have any memories of it, and how did it inform your career or working practice? Boy, it is. When I read the title, I said spot on. Like I already know. I already know what this is going to be about because I distinctly remember having the conversation with my, not even me having the conversation with my mum, my mum having the conversation with me. Like, Jamelia, let me be very clear to you. You are a black woman. Whatever you do, you need to do it twice as well as anyone else in your class. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You need to be twice as smart as everyone else in your class. And I remember thinking, but why? 
And then I grew up and I said, okay, I know why. But I also remember a point in my life where I was like, hmm, when I have kids, I'm not going to tell them that because I don't want to put that pressure on them. But then I thought, actually, that's very naive of me. Like, it's still the reality that they are probably going to have to work twice as hard. And it, unfortunately, it just is what it is. And it's even something that I've built into my business. Like, one of our core values is to under-promise and over-deliver. Because, again, a lot of the brands that we work with, they don't look like us. So they've already got some wayward expectations or some low expectations. And I want to blow them out of the water every single time. Because what we do and the way we work is pure excellence. And I need them to know that as well. So, yeah, it's it's how I live my life now. It's a philosophy that I was told as, like, a young black woman. And unfortunately, it's likely a conversation that I will have with my own children by way of saying, like, hey, this is the world that we live in. This is likely what you're going to have to do, but you have our full support. It's a harsh reality, but I think what's encouraging why it was necessary in so many ways was highlighting that this is a harsh reality, but it's not going to hold you back. And so many people continue to demonstrate that, including yourself. So keep giving us that excellence, girl. We yeah, love to see and I it. always think, you know, pressure creates diamonds. Wasn't that such a great conversation with Jan? It was so insightful. She has so much to say on so many different things. Yeah. Um, like, it's not just hair and beauty. Of she course. has extreme business knowledge in different areas which is what I love. I loved how, again, um, as a leader, she's so approachable. Mm -hmm. I love the fact um, when when she said going from a family to a team in terms of growing. um, There's so many things that I've taken away from that interview. I don't know. What about yourself? You know what? I love, you know, every time I speak with Jamma, I think I come out of that conversation inspired or come out of those conversations thinking, oh, this has just been so insightful. And what I love about just the conversations we've just had with her is that desire she has as a leader to create opportunities for her team. Earlier in the conversation, she mentioned, always discussed, like, it's not just about a subscription box, it's not just about treasure chests, but also bringing that experience of there being a safe space for black women to Mm. come together or black teenagers to come together um, and have that space to not just talk about hair and beauty, but to talk about, you know, career, finances, self-care, all that kind of thing. I think that's super important. And it's just such a well-rounded business that she has. You know, when you think about some of the things we discussed today, what would you do different if you had this information earlier in your career? Quite a few things, actually. Mm. Um, Like I said, there's things that I was just picking up from Jamila in the session. I was like, oh, I'm going to implement that into my company. It's something that we do, but it's not a part of the vision. So under-promise and over-deliver. I love it. Because we do that. We shock people every year with the quality of our show. I think for myself, there was a lot. But I think the thing that stood out to me is how she creates space for her team to give feedback and whether you work in you know the corporate environment or as an entrepreneur I think it's super important to be in a space where you are able to get feedback but in a way that allows you to grow and not a way that breaks you down sure and so I love that she gives her team feedback but she's also willing and ready to receive feedback 
going forward, how do you feel like you're going to use this information? There's so many different pieces of information that I could use moving forward. Really insightful. I was a founder before. Yeah. And now I'm the CEO. <laughs> so that was eye-opening. I was like, yeah, I was really just a founder before, but I was going to myself founder and CEO. But I was really just like one man up yeah. for, for a long time. So yeah, happy to call myself a CEO moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think for me, coming from the, the diversity, equity and inclusion space, I loved what she said about holding organisations to account. Yes. You know, with that question, is this still a priority? And I feel that for those of us that are in these industries, in as much as like the owners shouldn't be on us to constantly try and move the needle wherever we can influence change, wherever we can kick off that conversation or encourage leaders to be more reflective around their efforts, their diversity efforts, like trying to still be that voice. And the reality is it shouldn't just rest on our shoulders. But if you have it in you to be the person to push those buttons, ask those questions, absolutely do it and question those who are at the table. And if you're at the table, again, pose that question, is this still a priority? And see what people gonna say. Thanks so much to Jamelia Donaldson. On next week's show, we have Vamps, Ruby Ariku. And remember, take time to know your strengths and use them to your advantage. See you soon. This is the Twice As Hard podcast from Storyglass. Your hosts were me, Raphael Sofaluk. And me, Opiemi Sofaluk. The producer is Nicole Logan and executive producer is Alex Hollands. Production support from Tolly Mags and production management from Kerry Luter. Our show opener and episode mixing is done by Charlie Brandon King. Special thanks to the team at Spiritland Studios and to all our lovely guests. Twice as Hard, the book, is published by DK and available from all good bookstores now. If you like the podcast, please let us know by rating us and leaving a review. We know everyone says this, but it really does make a difference when it comes to people finding out about the podcast. Also, like, share amongst your community, and the big one, subscribe. We'll see.